His purpose and grace, which was given us, where? In Christ Jesus. We have no place in ministry, in calling, except in Christ Jesus. But if we're born again, we're born of a new seed. And it is of that new seed that we are called. Our calling is in Christ. He's getting up. All of us are called. I want to tell you, recently, just a few weeks ago, my oldest son Jansen and I had opportunity to go to Europe and to teach in a couple of Bible schools there. These Bible schools are set up for church leaders all around Europe. A friend of ours heads that ministry up, and he needed some help, and he invited us to go, and we had that opportunity, and it was wonderful. We had a great time. It's good to travel with your son. It's good to minister together with your son. It's good to see the anointing of God upon your offspring. And that's a blessing because, you know, you, you spend much of your life raising your children. Ross, Kim. Just getting started there. I've done it a little longer. And it's a blessing. Lots of you, most of you adults in here have children. And, and I want to I talk to you about that calling that you have in life. And I want to I present to you a, a, a model of, of what we're all called to be. That's probably a little different than you've heard, but Mike just prophesied it to Chris. And he said, you're going to have a pulpit that's not necessarily up here on a stage like this in a church, but it's going to be wherever, whatever street corner you're on. I was in Europe. We, we taught both in Poland and in Belgium, and we got to travel to several other places, and, that, and it was a wonderful trip. What really made it wonderful, my wife and several people ask when we get back, what's your favorite part? What's, what did you like the most? What I like the most is when I get to see and experience the anointing of the Lord to minister to His people, whatever that setting is. Now, that may be different for each one of us. It probably will be. Some of you may never leave Hereford. That's okay. There's plenty of ministry to be done right here in Hereford. I had the opportunity to go a long way off and get to minister to people who, by the way, are very, very hungry. In Europe, Christianity is not very widespread. In fact, it's, it's very, very, very narrow. Just to put it in perspective, a couple of friends of ours who live in Brussels, Belgium, we stayed in their home. They go, Brussels, by the way, is a very large city, a city, I don't know if it's as big as Dallas, but it's pretty close. It's a very big city. They go to the largest church in that city, and that church has 250 people. Now, in Dallas, Texas, there's churches with 25,000. So, 
Christianity is not widespread all over Europe. And the friend of ours who has this ministry knows that very well. And he has these schools in many places. And there's only a few, but let me tell you, those few, they're pretty serious about things. They make a lot of sacrifice to come to these schools. They make a commitment for two and a half years of their time. And they come and they are hungry. And you know, as, as a teacher, it, it does your heart good to get to teach somebody that wants to be taught. We were teaching in Belgium on leadership. And one thing I've learned about leadership, nobody's a leader unless somebody's a follower. Just think about it. You can't have a leader if there's nobody following. It, it, it requires somebody to follow. But let me tell you, everybody's called. I start off with that. And, and I want to say further that not only are you called, but you're called to be a leader. And some of you are sitting there saying, not me. Yes, you are. Because leadership is nothing more than this. It is influence. When you lead, you have influence in somebody else's life. And let me tell you, leadership is far more than just standing behind a pulpit preaching to those who are willing to listen. It's out there on the street, Chris. And it's in your workplace. And it's in your school classroom. And it's in your home. And it's right there with that baby boy. Let me tell you, the greatest place that I've had to minister in, in the many years that I've lived is right in my own home. In fact, I got to share that with, with some of the people in Belgium. And, and you know what they did? They just lapped it up. They were so hungry. They wanted to hear. I mean, they, they probably had me on a pedestal, which they shouldn't have done. But they, they thought I knew something. They acted like this guy really has it together. And they were so hungry. They just reaching out there for the truth. For the revelation of God. And when you give them a little, they want it. They're hungry. we got to be the same way. I, I realize that that mentality is not very widespread. But it is there. And God wants us to fulfill the calling we have according to His purpose and grace. Which is in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. God didn't think of this as an afterthought. He's had it all along. He has a plan. Somebody said to me when I was a new Christian, God has a wonderful plan for your life. You know what I've learned? That's not true. God does have a wonderful plan, and it's a really big plan, and it's according to His eternal purpose and grace, but it's His plan, it's not my plan. And it's not about me. It's about Him. I get to fit in. I get to play a part. I have a role to fulfill. But it's not my plan and it's not about me. It's His plan. According to the eternal purpose of God, do all things transpire in the earth. And I get to be a part of that. In Christ Jesus. Not in Steve. I don't have a part to play as Steve. I have a part to play in Christ.
Christ Jesus. He has filled me just like he's filled you, and you have a part to play. Some of you are sitting there saying, I'm not sure I'm a leader. Well, let me share with you this model that I believe is a little different perception of what a leader is. And maybe you'll decide when I get through that, okay, maybe I am a leader. Everybody that's hearing my voice at this moment is called by God to be a leader. I shared with the people in Belgium about being a father. You see, it takes a little more to be a father. And yes, I'm talking about an earthly father at this point. It takes a little more to be a father than to just have the coming together of a mother and a father and creating a baby. We have a beautiful baby right here in front of us. And we saw two more babies and young children back there just a while ago. And the parents of these babies are very much called of God, not just to produce that child and bring that child into the earth, but to do far more. Following the birth of a child, here's some of the things that happen as you raise that child. You have never-ending provision. Dads, you understand? You've got to provide for them. Those babies can't provide for themselves. You have to do that. You have never-ending protection. You have never-ending prayer. I believe the, probably the greatest influence I had in my children's life came not out of my mouth to them, but came out of my heart to God as I prayed for them. Because then that released him to do great and mighty things in their life. You have never-ending training, discipline, and correction. If you have a child, then you have the responsibility to train that child, to correct that child, to discipline that child. And that doesn't quit. That's your, your responsibility. You've got to do it. And if you don't do it, then they will lack in the things they need. Some of you have heard me tell this story, but I'm going to tell it one more time. My son Nathan, who's now grown, when he was about five or six years old, we spanked our children if they needed it. By the way, if you don't do that, you need to do that, because the Bible says to do that. And if you want to see it, come see me and I'll show you. It says it numerous times. One reason children need to be disciplined with a spanking is because they're guilty when they do things wrong. And if you don't relieve the guilt by giving them the spanking, then they just carry the guilt. They don't have any other way of getting rid of it. Nathan had done something wrong, and I wasn't sure if I was going to spank him or not. So I said to Nathan, do you think you need a spanking for this? And obviously, what did he say? No. no, Daddy, I don't need a spanking. I said, okay. Then you go to your room, and you think about what you've done, and we'll talk about it some more later. So he leaves. 
A couple hours later, he comes back to me and he says, Daddy, I think I need that spanking. And he was serious. He couldn't get rid of the guilt. He couldn't get free from whatever he was feeling because he knew he'd done something wrong until I gave him a spanking. He had to have it. You have to do that. You have responsibility as a parent that you have to train a child and you have to correct them and discipline them. And let me tell you, you're not, you're not punishing a child when you spank him. You're training him. You're teaching him the ways of God. Sometimes we have to teach them to try something new. We have to challenge them. We have to show them how. I mean, small things. Y'all all know what potty training is, right? You got to take them through that. You got to go through that. They got to learn. You got to show them. They get a little older, they start feeding themselves, they start dressing themselves. They start learning to go to school and you have to help them study and you may have to get them additional help or you may have to be that help, whatever it takes. As they grow, they have friends. Parents, one of the greatest areas of neglect that I've learned in in raising children that parents are not so good at is controlling their children's friends. Everybody's heard of peer pressure, right? Let me tell you, the greatest downfall of children in this country, at least, is peer pressure. And it's because parents have neglected their duty of controlling and being responsible for the, the other friends that are in the lives of their kids. You, and somebody's going to say, well, you're, you're just stifling their creativity. No, I'm not. I'm being a daddy. I'm being a father that is responsible for my children and knowing that they have to have the, the influence. That's what we're talking about this morning. They have to have the influence of other kids that are not perfect, but that are walking in the way that I want these kids to grow, in the ways of God. And that doesn't mean they can't have friends who are not Christians. But I have, to, I have to know who they are, and I have to know their parents, and I have to know what's going on. So don't be afraid to say no to your kids. Sometimes they need to be told no. They have to be taught biblical behavior. Do you know it's not natural to be kind? Do you know that kids left to themselves will never be kind to one another? Because kindness is a character of God, and it is not a character of Adam. Adam doesn't have that character, and we're all born of Adam. So how are they going to learn to be kind? Because Mama says, kids, you're going to be kind to each other. And if you're not, you're going to be disciplined for it. And I've got five children. And they love each other. They really do. And they are kind to each other. And, and Pam had to teach six children because I was right there with them. That you got to be kind. And you know, we, these kids, none, none of us understood it at first. 
you got to be taught. You got to be taught to have respect and to have to be friendly. And then there comes a time that there's kids get to start driving. That's kind of scary. Joanna did that this last year. And uh, as a parent, that's kind of hard to do, but you got to teach them. You got to teach them how to work. We had lots of good experiences where we live and and we farm a little bit and my kids all know how to drive a tractor and and your kids may not have that opportunity, but they, they can be taught something. You can teach them to work. They got to be taught how to manage money. There's a whole bunch of folks in this world that don't know a thing about managing money. I don't know why, but, but somebody's got to teach them. We taught our children, and, they're, and most, I think they're doing pretty good. They got to be taught responsibility. And most of all, they've got to be taught to follow God with their whole heart. I guess a saying of mine that I've, I've said to my kids many times, hear God and do what He says. That's real simple. But it's a principle of life that has to work in our lives. So in leading children or in leading other people in the Lord, God gives us a way that we are to do that. And for the most part, we've missed it. Leading is not largely by instruction. I gave my kids a lot of instruction, and I think they could probably recall a little bit of it. But I do know this. What they learned, for the most part, is what they saw me do. They watch. They watch closely. And they're going to live their life the way they saw you live your life. If I'm living the exchange life that Norman preaches about all the time, they're going to see that. And they're going to want it. When my kids were at home, all of my kids, we were very disciplined because old dad was disciplined. And we all got up a little bit early every morning so we could have some Bible study. And all my kids will tell you, what did you learn from Bible study? And, and they primarily learned one thing, and they'll all tell you this. They learned about faith because we talked about faith an awful lot. That's because the Bible talks about it a lot. But more than that, they learned from what they saw. We have to be that living example. We have to be what Paul, the guy who wrote a large part of the New Testament, calls fatherhood. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and look at a verse with me, a few verses. 1 Corinthians 4.15. Got that up? Yeah. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, 
be ye followers of me. Some versions say, be ye imitators of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord. And here's what Timothy's going to do. Who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. I can think of no greater testimony. Paul was not confident in himself. He was confident that his ways were in Christ Jesus. And he was so confident that he said, I'm going to send Timothy to you, and Timothy's going to remind you that my ways are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what a way is? You know what it means, what the Bible means when it speaks of your way? It means the way you live. It means the way Christ lived. It means that your way, the way you behave, the way you act, is in Christ Jesus. Or it means that the way you live and behave is not in Christ Jesus. I lived a big part of my life with my ways being in me. And you know where, where that gets me? Gets me full of pride. Gets me full of anxiety and full of fear and full of false responsibility and all those other good things that you can think of. And yet, none of those things I just mentioned are really things you want in your life. We don't need pride. We need to realize that our life, that we are crucified and our life is hidden with Christ in God. We need to realize that we are not our own and that the ways of God that we are taught in the Bible and that Paul speaks of is the way that we are to imitate. He says, follow me. Well, which way am I going to follow him other than the way he walks? I'm going to walk the way he walks. And what way is he walking? Well, he just says his way is in Christ Jesus. So if I am a father... And I can be a father in the natural, or I can be a father to those I work with, or to those that are in school. I can be a father to whomever God puts in my life, to whom I am to have influence. That's what fathers do. That's what fatherhood is all about. And you ladies, I'm not leaving you out. You fit this too. It's the role of leading somebody else. It's the role of influencing somebody else. Whether it be your natural children or whether it be somebody else. Everyone, I said earlier that everyone's called and everyone's called to be a leader. You see what I'm talking about? If you're called, if you're a Christian, God's called you. And He's called you to be a leader. He's called you to influence other people, and that's what being a leader is. It may not be up here behind a pulpit. It may not be what we typically call a leader. But if you have influence in anybody else's life, then that's called leadership. And every one of you do. Every one of you. There are no exceptions to that. Every one of you 
has influence in others' lives. And the primary way of influence that God has given us is that of example. Let me read you a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2 and 3. 1 Peter 5. Peter is exhorting the leaders, the elders of the church, and he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So what I'm saying to you is that leadership is primarily done by example. I told you that my kids watched, and if they watch and learn, then they're going to have to be around me quite a bit. Did everything I teach them, was it correct? Absolutely not. Because there was plenty of times that I was in the flesh, and that I did not abide in the Spirit of God. But you know, God has an amazing way to to move that stuff aside. I watched my son minister there in Europe. He's so far ahead of me. He apparently learned that which God wanted him to learn by watching me. And then God just kind of moved that other stuff aside. He's not perfect. He's got his faults. But I got to witness the power of the Holy Spirit working through my son. And I know that I spent years trying to influence him in the correct way. And sometimes... Maybe on occasion it got through. But all that stuff that was me and that was pride and that was selfish that I look back upon and I regret, God somehow moved it aside. God somehow said, Jansen, you don't really need to learn that. But you do need to learn this. And he learned. And he learned very well. And it's, it's just such an honor to see that. In, in one of your children. And those children may be your natural children or they may be others that you have influence with. David was talking this morning in the coffee shop about taking the, the, the word we have and giving it to other people. And sometimes we get frustrated with that. But you know what? God, God's well able. And, so, and it may take a long, long time. I've worked where I work longer than many of you are old. And I've been very frustrated at times. Some of the people I work with are right here. I've been frustrated because I, I haven't felt like my life made any difference to anybody. And maybe it didn't to some. But you know, after 37 years, I see a little bit of light. I see a little bit of fruit that God's work in a few other people. And it's not all because of me. It's just because I was there. I was available to bring the leadership to them, the influence to them that God wanted. And God took it and used it. So that living the exchanged life even when I didn't understand it, did not require me to change what I do. 
Instead, it required what Mike said when he was up here earlier. Required trust. I think the reason that, that many of us get frustrated with trying to walk the exchange life is, is because of what I just said. We're trying to do it. You can't do it. I can't be the father that I need to be. I used to coach my kids and some of y'all. and I tried to do it right, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I lead a business and I try to do it right, but sometimes I just throw my hands up and say, God, I can't do it. That's right where God wants you. It's when you see the impossible that you turn to God who makes all things possible. You've got to see how impossible it is for you to be a disciple before you're going to turn to God and say, God, it's bigger than I am. I'm trusting you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. So I have to trust. And I think that's where we have a struggle. I don't think trusting is easy to do. I don't think trusting is something that I really know how to do. Because I can't do it. Trusting is sitting back and saying... It's bigger than me, God. But I believe you're in charge. I believe you know what's going on. And I'm leaning on you. Lean not to your own understanding, it says. But trust in Him. There's lots of scriptures on trust. We've heard many of them. You know why I think we don't trust more readily? Is because of something else we don't believe, and that is that God is with us always. He told them to go and make disciples, and then He said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Do you really believe that? you believe God's with you right this moment? Or you, you think, well, I've, I've kind of got to get myself worked up to this. I, I've got to get a few things straightened out in my life before I really believe God's with me. Or maybe you hear the scripture that says that and you reason within yourself saying, I don't feel it. I don't feel you, God. Any of you ever said that? I know, I know all of you thought it. Some of you have said it. I don't feel like you're here, God. The Bible says He is. He says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Another place He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Never. That means right now. That means in the morning when you get up and tomorrow afternoon when you're working hard. God is with you. So why can you trust Him? Always. Because He is with you. Even unto the end of the age. Turn with me if you would to Psalms chapter 16. 
Psalm 16 and verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Always. I have set the Lord before me always. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Then skip down to verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now we read two verses here. The first one says, He is at my right hand always. The second one says, At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And you know, I got to thinking about that. God is always at my right hand. But he says at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, what ha- you know how that happens? We got to be facing each other. For him to be at my right hand. And for me, the pleasure of God to be at his right hand. We got to be facing each other. If we're facing the same direction, then one of us is on the left hand. But he says that he is at my right hand. And I am His delight at His right hand. we got to be facing each other. i got to be looking in the face of God for those two things to be, be true. God is with me always. And because He's with me, because I am with Him, my life's not the same. That's where you get to trust. Trust happens when you're in the presence of God. It's not hard to trust God when you know He's right there. If you're facing a great dilemma in life, a a huge trial, it's a lot easier when you know God's right there with you. Isn't that right? He is right there with you. The Blaine's got a word a while ago. God's with you. That makes all the difference to know that God is with you. So when I say to you, you have to trust, that seems like a, a vague command that I just can't quite get a hold of. But it's really not. It's not vague at all. He says, trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. Why? Because I am with you, he says. I am with you. And if I am with you, then I'm in charge. And I'm in control. And all the circumstances of life that threaten you, all those circumstances that would crush you, And have dominion over you. They will not. For you are mine. And you are held in the palm of my hand. By the creator. 
the God of all the universe. You can trust that. The thing we've got to learn is that He's with me always. The trust that I have experienced in those few fleeting moments when I knew the presence of God is with me always. Always. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He is with me always. And because, I, because He is, I can trust Him. And as I trust Him, as I trust Him, then I'm abiding in Him. I'm no longer me. Because I've been crucified. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So you want to walk in Him? You want to abide in Him? You want to be living the exchange life? You've got to trust. But you can trust always. Because He is with you. Always. Thank you, Father. We give you this word. Plant it in our hearts. Let it sprout and grow. Remind us of it, Lord, when we're out there facing a giant. Remind us that you're with us when we're out there struggling with the trials that come our way. Remind us, Father, that we indeed have been called to be fathers and mothers to others. And while that seems like an impossible task, in you we can do all things. Give us the grace, the sufficiency that is from your grace alone to do the work that you've called each of us to do and then bring honor to yourself in doing it. And Lord, I pray for everyone hearing this message that we would put aside the dependence we've had on ourselves, the independence we've had from you and we would embrace the fact that we are utterly helpless and very dependent upon you to walk in the way that you would have us to go. Give us the grace to trust in Jesus' name.